This is Realty Talk with Ellie and Galen. Welcome to episode 68 of Realty Talk with Ellie and Galen. And Ellie, topic. It was, I mean, it was my topic, but it, it's for mostly for you to talk about because I, <laughs> I mean, I can say things, but I just feel like you'll have a lot to say about this. Um, so my topic is just what the, what an ideal real estate agent. What makes a good agent? What, what makes a good agent? There we go. That was, that <laughs> that's, was the one, knew, that's, that's the line you gave that's me. That's the line I gave you. That's what I was, I was intending. So, I mean, you know, there's some basic generic things like being friendly and being honest and um being on top of your game but i figured you'd probably have you know your little checklist and you, i can see your brain just like the formulas rain plotting. man <laughs> yeah. alan um, 60, 62 62 q-tips what what, what uh <laughs> so what would you what would you think is like a couple things that really jump out at you like because you've been doing it now for um over a year now to mm-hmm. this is the end of two is this year two um not quite but almost oh. in a few months it'll be two years yeah so what is kind of your big takeaway from two years from when you started to you now? What have you figured out about yourself, about the industry, from what would make a good agent for you now being two years, in, roughly two years round up? I would say as far as working with other agents, a big thing is um, accessibility. You know, if someone puts in a sharing request or calls you and leaves a voicemail, um, being on the ball with communication so not waiting a week or never getting back to somebody that's you know communication is a key thing both with working with you know your clients but also other agents just being on top of your communications um and then uh probably you know honesty honesty is important having a high energy i think is very important and being able to schedule well um i actually just got this really cool app that i love um it's it's a dollar a month john was mad that i paid for it but it's an app created by so you know the moleskin notebook company i think Mm -hmm. it's called moleskin um yeah moleskine moleskin whatever Mm -hmm. so it's called time page and i actually well there's two apps and i bought them both they're both a dollar a month so it's actually two dollars a month but one's time page and one is actions and so it's essentially a calendar and reminders but this calendar pulls all of my calendars into one calendar it lets me put locations it reminds me what time i need to leave it lets me put my um reminders in the same like area as my calendar so because otherwise i forget about my reminders Mm -hmm. it tells me what the weather is it reminds me if i need to bring an umbrella before i leave it reminds me to follow up with people after appointments so i have this appointment realty talk at 6 p.m with galen Mm -hmm. and in about an hour it's going to remind me to follow up with you i can't pick and choose who i have to follow up with so sometimes it uselessly reminds me but it's still (laughs) um very very helpful i really 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 like this it has made my life a lot easier just keeping me to you know, remind me to do things. So, so, you know, organization is important. Um, and yeah, I think those are probably the, the, the primary. Key yeah. I, I think, I think your basic like organizations one, um, for sure. And I think responsiveness is two. Uh, I mean, these aren't in like order, but these yeah. are just things like res- uh, responsiveness, um, getting back to people, uh, knowing obviously how to do stuff yeah. like knowing, I mean, knowing like, there's a difference between, and this is the thing I, I talk a lot about, is that there's a difference between knowing the how-tos of, most agents can understand 
20% of, of real estate is just how to like fill out a contract oh, and how yeah. to like what documents to bring with you. And knowing and, and, the timeline. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basic stuff that anybody can learn in the first year and should be. Um, mm -hmm. The other 80%, which is really the, it's not even, I mean, it's the, it's what separates the, the average agent from like a, a very good agent is just understanding the market, understanding people, understanding scenarios, having a very good, big, um, EQ, like really understanding the emotions of people. Um, realistically, like from an agent perspective, I learned everything and I wasn't a great agent when I started out. I learned everything, the X's and O's of how to do real estate. Um, or I mean, early on in the first few years, you pretty much had a majority of, you probably got up to like 90, 95% of scenarios kind of touched at that point or pretty close. Um, obviously there's some more detailed and advanced, um, situations that we have to kind of navigate through. Mm -hmm. Um, right now, I would say 95 to 98% of scenarios I probably know off the top of my head. Um, and I would say out of the five, maybe the three to 5% that I don't know, majority of those, I know where to go for the answers. So there's very little that I, I'm like a deer in the headlights where someone tells me, I'm like, Wow, I have no idea. Yeah. And usually I just respond with, I have no idea. Let me just try to find someone I think might know what they're doing. I like, can think so, of the two times I brought those to you and they were both USDA and you sent me to Amy Provost. <laughs> yeah. I, and Amy's another agent. <laughs> she's very, fantastic. Yeah, she's a very good agent. And she, I mean, I've, I've leaned on other agents. You know, I think we met Tom, you mentioned Tom Tucker before. Yeah. Like Tom Tucker, Tammy now works here, but Tammy used to be my go-to for for uh foreclosures um amy i default a lot to foreclose on for foreclosures um yeah i i mean you have to ask people if you don't know the answer and mm -hmm. that could be a lender that could be an attorney and there's a reason i have relationships with all those people so i can call them up and and have a very quick bl blunt conversation with them about hey i just need this information i need like give me your opinion on it. i trust yeah. you yeah and that's valuable. And I, so I think what makes a good agent is not the, like I said, the 20% of how to do something. It's the 80% nuances of, of really understanding the market. And now being in it for me 10 years, I can see 10 years worth of trends in the market. Yeah. So that factors in. And that factors into me when I'm dealing with pricing strategy. And that factors in how I run the business. And that factor, I mean, there's a whole host of things that I know now that I would say make up not even a good agent, like a great agent mm -hmm. needs to know all these things, but it takes time. Like you're not mm -hmm. going to be great in the first couple of years because you might be very, very, very good at that 20% and being good at being organized and stuff. And that will get you into, you know, the higher or top percentage of agents, but really to go a layer deep and be in like the upper echelon of agents, like you really have to, you know, um, you got, you have to kind of, it's like polish or like sharpening the, 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 the sword kind of thing. You mm -hmm. always have to get better and you always have to learn and you always have to go deeper and, and really try to like go layers and layers and layers deep to perfect what you do. And um, I think real estate, there's a lot on the surface that everybody can figure out. It's easy. And then you go a layer deep and then you go a layer deep. And the really good agents, I really think that now my mindset for real estate is layers and layers and layers and layers deep where like a lot of this, like an onion. <laughs> yes, donkey. Yes, donkey. Um, but it's like an onion um, but it's like you go so many layers deep that if a, something were to happen, my mind is so far into the deal mm -hmm. at the very beginning mm -hmm. that I can really hedge against all the things that could pop up because I'm my for my um, my insight and everything and my foresight going forward, I can really 
you know, take that data, process it through my brain weeks ahead, ahead of schedule mm-hmm. and not get into trouble later on, which I'll be honest, I, I made more mistakes when I was a newer agent. I had stuff that I ran up against as a newer agent that I don't now because mm-hmm. I know how to basically squash it before it becomes uh, an issue. Yeah, yeah. That takes time and that takes really understanding all aspects of the business it's experience. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, learning lenders jobs, learning inspectors jobs, learning ba- uh, um, attorneys jobs. I don't, I'm not doing their job, but to understand their job mm-hmm. helps me understand my job and how it all plays together. And there's so many, um, it's such a, um, spider web of, of collaboration to get a, a deal from contract to close that I really think that a great agent would need that. A good agent, I think, just needs to be normal. Like you have to be organized. You have to be timely. You have to be nice. You have to be, um, you know, I, I, well, I mean, that's all. One of the things, kind of jumping from that. One of the things that I really knew when my career took a turn a little bit, where mm-hmm. I went from like I'm an agent to now like I'm really gonna get good at this was when my mind shifted from I have to do real estate and I have to survive, meaning like I've been doing real estate for 10 years. This is how I made an income and how I made a living for 10 years. There were some very tight, tight years five, six years ago and like really tight to like, and I don't talk a lot about it, but it's, that's why when I new agents come in, I like read them the riot act. I'm like, it is not easy. Like you basically are going to be pushed to the brink and you may quit and, or you get through it and you keep growing, keep growing and keep growing. And it wasn't until I got to the point where I really looked at real estate as I'm not here to sell homes. I'm here to help people solve a problem. Mm -hmm. That's when the paradigm shift happened in my head where I'm not a salesperson. I hate being called a salesperson. Yeah. Consultant advisor, whatever you want to call it. But my goal is I process your, your issue. I process your scenario. I process your goals, filter it through my brain. And then I spit out a plan. And that plan is going to help you accomplish that goal. Mm-hmm. And I talk to a lot of clients. There's a need and there's a want. Your want is usually the first thing you tell me. What's your goal? Yep. Boom, His boom, and her boom. sinks. Yeah. It's yep. like, okay, that, well, even like selling, I do this a lot. I do this more with sellers and with buyers. Sellers, like, why are you selling? Well, I want to sell and I want to make this amount of money and move here. Okay, great. Okay. You keep talking to them. You keep talking to them. You keep talking to them. All of a sudden, that initial, this is why we're doing it an hour and a half into the conversation, you've taken that top layer and you've peeled back so many layers deep that you know exactly why they're selling. You know exactly what they need to make. You know exactly what's more important to them. Most of the time, what they tell you on the surface is just scratching the surface or mm-hmm. it's, kind of, it's kind of blinding what really is the problem. My job is to go in there, and this is something that I learned early in my career, Go in like you would be a doctor. A doctor is going in to diagnose a problem. Like, what is the issue? Like, okay, I have, I got a stomach ache. Well, what is the real issue? Do you have just a stomach ache and you need something quick? Or is the real issue you have some type of autoimmune disease? Is it the real Point issue? Like, well, I, so I'm actually <laughs> using you because I'm like, this is perfect. Bro. Like, do you have something that's more than just, I have a stomach ache? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then it's like, because most people will tell you, I have a stomach ache. And then when you start peeling back the layers, like, no, you have like a, I mean, you know, but like you have a tumor or you have like you go like I know it's like a medical term, but but you like you go in deeper and deeper and you really find out what the problem is. So we don't need to fix this. We need to fix the main issue. And it helps you decide what the what you need to do going forward. It's that. Yeah, it's the whole strategy. And again, want versus need. I know you want that. 
but what do you need? Because mm-hmm. there's a certain point where if it's below what you need, you, then you cannot sell. Then you are staying in this house. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sell. I have to move out. Okay, then timing is a problem, so we can't stay for the winter. Okay, so we have four months, but I want this amount of money. Okay, well, what's more important, money or time? And then when you start playing these factors and you say it to them and you let them just figure it out, it's not hard. it's not easy. It's hard. Yeah. But you allow them to make that decision by giving them all their options and the, basically play devil's advocate on both sides. They make the best decision. Mm-hmm. But usually once they get to that decision, then they make the correct decision and ultimately they will hit their goal. And again, may not be what they want, but it's what they need. And that I think by going layers and layers deep, I think the really good agents really focus on how to help the client get from point A to point B and not necessarily how cool we're going to make the house look marketing wise to like sell the house. It's like there's real estate is so much more than just a house. It's so it's people's lives. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing that a good agent, when that finally clicks in their head that we're not doing this because we want to sell a house and make a commission check. That is the farthest, honestly, that is the farthest thing from my mind. When I go in and talk to somebody, Mm -hmm. I go in, what is your issue? I know I'm really freaking good at what I do. I'm going to help you go from here to here and I'm going to make it happen better than anybody. But I need to know, you got to get, you got to put everything on the table. I got to look at all the facts and figures and data and I will process it. And I promise I will be able to do what you need to do. Yeah. And if not, I will be the one to tell you, don't do that. Like, don't, don't sell. You cannot sell. I had a lady the other day, like, I want to, I want to net this. I'm looking, I'm like, you're not going to net that. Yeah. So what do you want to do? Is is like the reason why you're moving more important or is the money? Well, it kind of sounds like the money's more important. So that's fine. Then yeah. stay in the house. Yeah. Like I'm here to, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to charge you. I'm just, I'm not going to like charge you to give you information. I'm just here to help you figure your stuff out. So that's, I, I think that's really what it comes down to is, is looking out for finding out the, the client's why and then figuring out how to accomplish their why. Mm-hmm. And that is it. Yeah. That, that is the end goal is figuring out why they're selling and let's accomplish that. Yeah. So I think that's why. That, that's what really makes a that's what makes a great agent the for good sellers. agent for for I mean even for anybody that, that's more of a seller thing but even for buyers like you know I want to buy I've actually same thing I want to buy a house okay great you want to buy a house perfect well what's your three and five year goal I talk to those clients all the time what's your three and five year goal well I want to buy a house and then you know we might have to move for work and go well you know buying a house and trying to sell and two to three years may not be the be- biggest or yeah, best investment. Yeah, you're probably going to lose money. Yeah, like you, you may want to just rent for three years. I've told plenty of people, yep. rent, don't buy. Yep. You're turning around to sell it in two years. You're not. You're going to lose money on this deal. Yeah. Like yeah. I would just rent and have, and the other thing is too, you're going to be tied into that home. If you rent, you just say, hey, listen, I'm out in 30 days and see you and you're yep. gone. Yep. So that that is another thing too is like from a buyer perspective, like yes, I would love to make a sale. That's how I make money. I get it. But I will tell a client that's like, you know, money to burn in their pocket. They want to buy. Don't buy because it's not. It does not make sense for you to buy. Yeah, that happens all the. I mean, I say all the time that 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 probably happens. I would say anywhere from five to ten times a year. I have that conversation with clients. Yeah, once yeah. every couple months. Like, don't don't buy. There's yeah, no you're reason just for you not, to buy. You're not ready for it, or yeah, if you feel like well, we can do it, but it's gonna be really tight. We're gonna have to work. You know, we're gonna have to kind of fake our income a little bit to make it work and you don't want to do that you're going to be in a really really bad situation the lender can tell you what you qualify for as far as their numbers tell you but you know what your budget is better than Mm -hmm. they do and if you feel like yeah we're qualified for this but that that mortgage payment we really want the home but the mortgage payment is gonna be too much it's not worth it because i don't care how much you love the home it's gonna hurt when you lose it and if you can't afford that payment and you're not comfortable and you're not ready yet or it's like you can't go out to dinner 
Yeah. Like, I'm like, I can't do anything. I yeah. can't go on a vacation. You like, like that house, but you can't decorate it for Christmas because you can't afford to buy Christmas lights. I've never heard that, but I like that. <laughs> coming, from a, coming from a Christmas uh, fanatic, that's yeah. good. That's a good one. Yeah, we're like three weeks away. Two weeks away. Oh, God, shut it. Okay, <laughs> oh, this is the Meg thing. Meg and I have had... Don't, 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 don't start. I've had to hear from you. Not, not really from you. I had to hear from her. I had to hear from Nicole. I had to hear from... No, no, no. We already okay. watched two Christmas movies so far. Okay, folks. Please reach out to Ellie and I and let us know. We'll have to do a poll somehow. When is it acceptable? When is it acceptable to decorate for Christmas? At midnight. And you only get you only get one vote. I don't want three people from three accounts voting for the same thing, Ellie. (laughs) It wasn't me. It was just friends. Just friends that end up making fake accounts. That's happened before. (laughs) That's happened before. They just had burner accounts for other things. Burner accounts or fake accounts, and they're trying. You have one. You have one account. When is it acceptable to decorate for Christmas? My thing is the day after Thanksgiving, you can then go full on, you know, Christmas blitz. November 1st. You're November 1st. Well, okay. So I I don't go full. The tree waits until after Thanksgiving, but I start putting up little, like, I have a post-Halloween kitchen box and it has like... Like mitts with snowman on it and like a few kind of Christmassy mugs, but like the full blown Christmassy stuff, I wait until after Thanksgiving. Usually. Okay. So we want to poll. When is it acceptable to start putting out your Christmas stuff? And now granted, listen to this folks. I love Christmas. I'm born on Christmas Eve. My son is born on Christmas day. I love Christmas. Kind of. Love Christmas. Kind of. You don't love, love Christmas. You just kind of love Christmas. I love Christmas. (laughs) And, but I'm also one of those people let Thanksgiving have its chance. Thanksgiving is a great holiday. It's okay. It's a lot of food. Everybody, you know why people like Thanksgiving? Because there's no stress to Thanksgiving. It's There's food and there's football and there's usually, prior to having kids, the night before Thanksgiving was a fantastic night to go out and enjoy beverages with your friends. I did it for a few years and I loved it. Um, but minus that, then you get into the holiday stuff. Holidays are chaotic. People travel, do all this crazy stuff. Thanksgiving, you usually have a Friendsgiving, which honestly, it's the family you choose. I know it's cheesy, but it is, and it's a lot of fun. So Thanksgiving, I think, deserves its own holiday. And then day after, do it up, put up Frosty, put up Reindeer, put up Santa, put up everybody, full-on Christmas mode, which is still in November. So you really technically get the full month. Now, some people could say, can you do it November 25th because it's a month before? Sure, go ahead, knock yourself out. But people that so are like... So do you take it down the day of Christmas? I typically take everything down between Christmas and New Year's. Not the day after. Typically probably the 27th, 28th. Everything's down. It's down before New Year's. I usually give it a couple weeks. I'll, I might You go into December, January? Barely, but I mean... Dude, I put so much Christmas stuff up. I do not have time to take it all down in a, in a so two-day period. Last year, <laughs> I did the inside. The outside, I... Two years ago... Did the outside nice, real nice. Looked really pretty. I got some photos on it. Looked nice. I did I did a solid. It took me all afternoon on a Sunday. Last year, I literally thought in my head, it's cold out. And I don't get many like afternoons just to chill. So I don't want to take my full Sunday afternoon to go out in the cold and put lights up. Knowing in, knowing in five weeks, four or five weeks, whatever it is, four weeks, I'm going to have to go back out probably in a colder time and pull those same things out. So it's almost like walking up a mountain. This is my hiking analogy. Climbing up the mountain. To see the sights, just to know I got to climb back down, and then I look at it, I just wasted all that time walking Plenty up a mountain. Plenty of people do that. That's cool. This is my thing. Galen. I'm the worst. I'm the worst with hiking because I've never gone up a mountain and What's got the down point the mountain. Of going up the mountain, you don't get anything out of it. I get nothing. I look. I look at it. I'm like, this is so pretty, but I saw 15 of these last night on Instagram. I'm good. Then I go back down the mountain, 
and I get out of the mountain and I go in the car and I'm like, honestly, I just want to like go do something else. Oh, you're the worst. What's the point of lifting weights? Huh? It's the same thing. It's a fitness thing. Yeah, but I, but but if at least you lift weights, then you have the strength with you at all times to do stuff. Going up the mountain and coming down is just like I went up it's and down. It's an endurance down. thing. I know, but I can do a lot of different endurance things. And I don't have to like spend five hours doing them. Six hours, three hours, two hours, whatever. I'm not I'm not a big hiker. It, it like it, like if I go up with friends like once a year, my sister came and was like we're going hiking. I was actually kind of sad. I was like, oh, okay, I'll go hiking because she, she wanted to go, but I wasn't looking forward to hiking. I was looking forward to more like coming back and going to have lunch and have beer. Like that's literally what I wanted to do. I'm not a big hiker. Never really have you been. I have no desire. I have no desire to do the 46 peaks. I have no desire to run a marathon. Just it's not like it's a, those long drawn out things. Like mentally, I'm not there. I'm with you on the marathon. I'm too much of a mental like. I got to go fast. I like things. You run up a mountain. You know what's crazy? I was talking. I love hitting golf balls on a range, and I'm okay at it. I do it pretty good. And then I go on the golf course, and I hit a golf ball, and I chit-chat with my friends. And I go up, and I have to hit another golf ball. My mind is racing a 1,000 miles an hour because I'm thinking about all the things I talked about between, and I never can actually focus to hit a golf ball. That's where I think I'm so bad at golf now. Physically, I'm, I think I'm better. Mentally, I'm so checked out by the time I hit a golf ball, which is crazy. should not happen. It's not a golf podcast. Makes, I got better. It but, makes sense, though. I get that. My, I, I, gotta shut, I have a hard time shutting my mind off. Not that I want to, but I just have a hard time. My mind's always going. So like when I'm like range balls, just hitting golf balls, I'm just getting a flow. I'm listening to music or yeah. podcasts and I can just hit and I hit well. I can make adjustments and I'm, cause I'm thinking about that. But then I go out and play golf and I'm just, I'm terrible. It's kind of like how I could have mountain. Just, just, I don't know. I realized that's why I was, I haven't played Minecraft since we talked about it whenever, however long ago that was like a month ago, maybe now I have not played it since. Cause after we talked about it, I realized that I was just playing it because after the day was done, you know, I'd get done with all my work stuff around nine or 10 and then I just couldn't shut my brain off. So I play Minecraft cause it gave me something to fuel my energy into that wasn't work stuff. So I could focus on it and just like zone out quote unquote. Yeah. Zone out basically. And as soon as I realized that it ruined it for me and I haven't played it since I just realized that's what, but on the plus side, I'm no longer going to bed at 1am. So that's good. So we get some sleep. Yep. I'm, I'm tired. I've had, I've had one of those days that's the day and today's cold and I'm just weird and I'm literally crushing a blue light right now. Yeah, I noticed that. I was, I was going to say six, something. It's but... 6 o'clock, 5.30, and I was waiting for you, and it was 6 o'clock, and I'm like, you know what? Just a day. Just had a day. I had some beer left take over. take a bath. This is kind of like one. It's just like a nice relaxation. Like, I'm just, just going to, you know, have a beer on a Tuesday. Tuesday in October. Okay. And, it, and it's cold out today, so. Yeah. Um, okay. Office quote. Office quote. Do you have one? I do. I'm going to, okay, go ahead. I'm, I'm worried I'm going to steal yours. You should go first. No. Because I have a creative Did you see what I wrote down? No, I didn't. Okay, I didn't but, go. Okay. Oh, it's Halloween. That's that's good timing. Oh, I that's my favorite Creed, Creed oh, quote yeah. of all time. No, no, no. So the Creed quote that I had, I was watching it the other day. I'm going to butcher it, but it's the general theme that we're looking for, not the exact verbiage. So they're sitting there, and they're in the, the, the break room. Mm-hmm. Not the break room. They're in the little cafeteria, the kitchenette area. And Angela comes in all chipper, and then Oscar goes, Angela, you're awful. Ex- more, more excited than usual today. And she goes something about, I got a new cat. Mm-hmm. And they start talking about it. And she goes, I got a cat. And it was seven thousand dollars, and they start chit chatting. And then Meredith goes, seven thousand dollars for a cat. And Creed goes, you paid seven thousand dollars for a cat. I can get you a kid for that. <laughs> so that is my Creed quote of the day. Creed can get you a kid for seven thousand um, dollars. I think that's it. Ellie, anything else? No, nope, that's it. Okay, please met. Please message Ellie or myself. Our our. Oh my god! I almost said AAMs. Our IG. I, I know our IG names. Or in our post, message either of us and say whether or not it's acceptable to put Christmas decorations up before Thanksgiving. It is. 
Don't be brainwashed by Ellie. All right, that's it. That's episode 68 of Realty Talk with Ellie and Galen.